the teaching of thusness. Are there any questions? How can you teach thusness? You can't. That's why I said that was a pretty good answer you gave. But you can see it, the first line of the Hokyo Zanmai or Song of the Jewel Mirror Samadhi is what? Teaching of thusness has been intimately communicated by... What's the next line? Now you have it, so keep it well. Has been intimately taught thus. Thusness, uh, other words for that same impossible thing to teach is tatagatagarbha, or the womb of those who come thusly. When it's a way of uh, looking at that is those who come thusly is uh, they are coming in a little bit different way than the ordinary sentient being in that they aren't coming out of a past and they are not going into a future. They're always here. They're always completely present, thus sometimes called suchness, sometimes called, as it says up here, as it is, soku. The Song of the Jewel Mirror Samadhi um, addresses that in lots of different ways. For those of you who are familiar with it or have studied it, lots of different, different image, images and metaphors and so on to try to help uh, move our circularity, the circularity of our mind to I like it, I don't like it, it's good, it's bad, I should, I shouldn't. You know that mind. Shouldn't do this. It's not time to do this. They shouldn't be saying that. I shouldn't be saying that. I shouldn't be saying that they shouldn't be saying that. On and on. It's a constant Coney Island of the mind, to use the title of Lawrence Ferlinghetti's book from the 1950s. Constantly churning, moving, moving, moving. And our own passion, aggression, ignorance, our desire to be happy, our desire to understand, our desire to win, our desire to live forever, which shows up as not wanting to die. I picked, I usually don't hang on to this. I picked it back up today because I didn't know how long I was going to sit here and look at you, but I knew it was going to be a while. I wanted to have something to fiddle with. So that's what I'm doing. This is a, this used to be a hash pipe. <laughs>
but I reformed. I put a cork in it, sanded it down, and plugged the hole on the other end. And I guess I can put it down now. Intimately communicated by Buddha's ancestors, the Buddha, the Tathagata. Tathagata is another word for thusness or suchness. The Sanskrit is tatata. Tatata is thus. Tathagata is one who comes thusly. Why would we even be interested in that? If we weren't suffering, we wouldn't be interested in it. If there weren't this cycle of, feel pretty good, I'm doing pretty good today. Things aren't going too bad. Whoop, I just lost my job, just lost my relationship, just lost my health. The Buddha was not exaggerating when he said, as far as we know, the first words out of his mouth, dukkha, life is suffering. Being alive means you will suffer. And if you look at it, that's not particularly nihilistic, it's just realistic. We have nerve endings, probably going to be some difficulties happening in all of those areas. And they overlap in different odd kind of ways if you trace them down. If you go to any one of your uh, sense fields that you take for granted and, and challenge it a little bit, go to the sense of smell and say, can I think with my olfactory senses? Can, I, can that actually think? Or is it the thinking process that comes on and takes over there and tells you what you're thinking, or it tells you what you're smelling, and whether it's good or whether it's bad? So the teaching of thusness has been intimately, very personally, and the reason that's used is doesn't seem to be another way of teaching this or promoting this or pointing this out unless there's a strong, intimate connection. That's why this, is, this teaching is called uh, warm hand to warm hand. It's a living lineage, and it's it was transmitted here, and I intend whatever time I have left in my life for those who give me permission, because I'm not here to propagandize any, any, any of this to anyone. If you come and ask for my, me to help you, I will do that. If you say, I don't want you to help me anymore, I will say, go on, good luck. I may ask you, so if it, especially if it really surprises me, I may ask you, what? Where was that coming from? Didn't see that. But I've had people do that where I kind of knew that was coming. I just didn't know how long it would they'd be able to stand it. Some people want to be someone who wants to learn, but don't actually want to learn. Because actually learning is, uh, what can I say and still be polite, it's a son of a gun. It's difficult. Actually learning this kind of teaching is very, very difficult because we're constantly putting the truth in different kinds of ways, whether it's looking at the wall or looking at the texts that come down through the centuries or looking at the teacher or looking at the Sangha. The interesting thing about the Sangha, these are people that you would never chosen to be friends. They're your spiritual friends, your Dharma friends, because generally our friends are those who see all of our foibles but love us so much they're not going to criticize us. It's like your mom. Well, some moms. <laughs> Depends on the mom. Teaching of thusness, the teaching of as it is, the teaching of just this, not that, just this, just this. I sometimes say it this way, what you are looking for, you're looking at. You may need some help. You may need a room to do that completely ridiculous thing from the point of view of ego. Sometimes the ego intellectually can get on board for a while, but eventually the ego wants to bail and it will whisper all kinds of things in your ear to try to get you to stop doing this. Like, I think I'm sitting too much. I'm being, I seem to be more confused than I was. I would say it this way, if you happen to even bring it to me, you know you're just probably seeing how confused you've been all along. And now because of the 
practice, this uh, sitting practice of meditation, you're starting to see the way you've been covering up your confusion uh, with a patina of everything's good, it's all good, or at least I'm not doing this or that and this other kind of negative activity that gets a lot of criticism. Questions are good. Take 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 us all deeper into this material. Yes. You said that thusness can't be taught, but we can see it. Um, can you see it with conscience? That's the way you see it. If what you see, I'll be as literal as I can. What you see, it may be visual, it may be auditory, it may be olfactory, it may be any one of the senses, including the sense of touch. They may happen all at once. You may have one happen and then another happen. You might have a what do you call them, Dagwood sandwich of liberation. Well, heard of that. You, know, you might you might have something that just piles on and and just it's irrefutable. You can't talk yourself out of this what you're seeing, and it can be painful. It's not always whoa, this is great. We're all one, and I'm in on the big secret. Might not be that comfortable. It might get more difficult from now on because the the vow that you receive as a bodhisattva, as an aspiring Buddha, is to put everyone else before yourself. That's a pretty big thing to do when most of the people other than yourself are suffering intently, especially those who are not on the path and are covering their suffering up by blaming others, blaming their parents, blaming their conditions, blaming, 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 blaming everything. The constant chatter of blaming is going on. It goes on uh, in this uh, monastery, although it gets a, a lot of, uh, uh, there's a lot of uh, awareness that it has to deal with because it doesn't, uh, it is not particularly long-lived. What does that mean? What? This. It's just this. There isn't anything else. There's no, there's no, no past, no future. There's no me. There's no you. And you can see it absolutely literally. This is not symbolic stuff here. You see it, and if you see it, you'll know it. And it may look, it may even look like over here, this is, it may look like arrogance to you. I'm not concerned with not looking arrogant. People with strong egos are concerned with, what well, I don't want to be too arrogant looking. I really don't care if I look arrogant or not. I know what I'm here to do and I intend to do it. Unless everybody leaves and then I'll probably go, I'm pretty tired, so I'll probably go home and lay down for a while. <laughs> Say don't. You've talked about all things being teachers. Is that what they're teaching, thusness? Yes, and and the way you prepare yourself to, to see that is to sit in what's classically termed a bodhi mandala or a circle of awakening, which is sitting down, holding still, holding very still, being very symmetrical, doing everything you can in this physical domain to be receptive. Sit down, hold still, have a good posture, and just observe what moves in any of the six sense fields, including the mind. And if it's rough and raw and rugged, then just receive. If it's smooth and silky, bubbly, just receive. Don't add anything to it. Like, well, this feels pretty good, or this feels pretty bad. That's extra. Don't do that. You're just you're shutting yourself away from the ultimate nature of your insight into what this is. <clears throat> Lauren. Um, when we seem... Um, Seeing the thusness, is that something that I'm looking that you're looking for or that you're looking at or neither? Uh, I think that's something that you as a as a concept, fairly open concept, you can keep in mind. And it's just another way of saying uh, not nothing is separate from anything else. It looks like it. it. Looks like I'm here and you're over there, and there is a separation happening with all of us, and, and an incredible separation that goes back. Millions of years, if you wanted to count them. 
So you're looking at what appear, whatever appears, look right at it. So if you start to look for something, then that tends to be very circular. Ego, self-centeredness, the seventh consciousness out of the Yogacara tradition is very, very sneaky. And it will put up some kind of proof that you're actually on the spiritual path. It will come up with little ideas about how much better you feel, how much more spiritual you feel. So you would, and it's, uh, I don't, I wouldn't hold anybody down to anything. Everybody is, everyone in here is, has a different dynamic. Everyone's here is here with a different d dynamic of how you are functioning with your mind because everyone's mind due to causes and conditions, including your mom, your dad, your heredity, you're all going way, way back, way before this lifetime, uh, shows up here. And here we are, and we've somehow stumbled onto this particular path, either through meeting up with other people who are doing this, and there's just so many ways this can occur. Well, once we get here, then the idea is to sit down, hold still, and see what actually is this. That's why what questions work better than why questions. Why questions tend to, there's very subtle propaganda going on in those. A little bit is okay, but as soon as you, as soon as, just like the Buddha said, why is there suffering? Probably, I don't know what he did. And he said, because there's a desire, wishing things to be different than they are. This causes suffering. But that's only part of the situation. Fundamentally, from the ultimate point of view, this is unreal. The Four Noble Truths, the Eightfold Path, the Twelve Links in the Chain of Existence, all do not fundamentally exist, nor do they non-exist. But this has to be seen. And when this is seen, you will not arrive at a conclusion. Arriving at a conclusion is what they do in samsara. That's what they, that's uh, called um, scientific materialism, cultural materialism, uh, spiritual materialism, 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 trying to get something else. And we're not saying that going the other way isn't a very subtle kind of spiritual materialism where you're trying to get more spiritual by not wanting anything. We've got centuries of people who are weaning themselves away uh, from bad things, trying to be more spiritual because they don't understand the nature of what's right in front of their face which is what? Not separate. It's a st if you see that it's not separate and that it's also extremely um, expressive, there's an astonishing thing to meet up with. Shoto? Does the spiritual path include the mundane path? No. What is the discomfort that might arise if we see that? might be irritating, but this is irritation without uh, someone who's irritated. There isn't any solid being to be irritated. But that doesn't mean the irritation won't be there. Saying irritation may or may not. There's no, there's, I'm not going to say this will happen to you and this will happen. I'm just saying we have to be quite um, clear about not jumping to conclusions about anything. And I would even say, take it further and say, don't conclude anything. You don't need to conclude anything. Just like you don't need to believe anything. You don't need to have a plan for anything. Plans don't work. That doesn't mean that you shouldn't plan. If you don't understand that, please ask questions. I can help you. Something I've looked at for much longer than probably any, well, for sure, anybody here. If we all got in a time machine and went back 60 years, you guys would all be gone or not here yet. Hmm? That's right. You would be. But you'd be really tidy. Not near as important as I'd be. <laughs> Yes. Would that irritation have a reason or a context? It could it probably would be the reason I'm saying that that way is it could that could happen. And what I'm trying to encourage you to 
to do what you should understand by this, if I can help you a little more, is don't look for happiness by getting rid of suffering. See what the suffering is when, when that's why we call it a Dharma gate. When the suffering difficulty starts to come out of nowhere, you know, we had three days where everything was great. You were really happy. Nothing's changed, but all of a sudden you feel bad or sad or you something is difficult for you. So that's, uh, if you're a meditator, if you're particularly, if you're a Buddhist, that's a Dharma gate for you. And you could actually uh, maybe not even mention that to to your friends or to your uh, uh, Dharma friends or anyone. You may not ever mention it. You may just, that's what I, uh, must, may just keep it to yourself. That's what I mean when I say don't discuss your practice with anyone. I'm not saying you can't say I, you know, had a rough time sitting today or it was harder for me to sit today than yesterday or or, or, or I'm not understanding this particular text. This thing by Jeffrey Hopkins is just got me my head going around in circles which probably does because it has my head going around in circles and i'm really smart <laughs> actually i'm not very smart otherwise i wouldn't be doing this <clears throat> what is a dharma gate what's meant by that dharma gate is uh thank you for asking that question uh dharma gate is something Dharma's truth gate is something that is could be closed, could be open, could have hinges, could have a knob, could have uh, could be not even it could be just a wall that you don't even know where it opens at. Uh, using that metaphor, that image, so many different directions. Uh, it could be it could be a something very beautiful. It could be something very a metaphor. Uh, it's a Dharma gate is a metaphor for the for your negativity arising that you would like to get rid of or shut up or cover or cover up or blame or avoid or distract yourself ignorance distract yourself into something else I don't feel very good that's this such and such is bothering me I'm going to do this or this or the other thing so it would be something that is if you can look at that negativity as a Dharma gate then you might be more inspired shall we say to sit down and just look it right in the face don't accept it don't reject it. And don't distract yourself from it. This means it's like standing, looking into woods and seeing eyes looking back at you. Don't do anything with it. Don't assume it's a uh, it's a bear. Don't assume it's not a bear. Don't assume that you can outrun it. Uh, don't do anything. Don't don't run. Don't do anything. Just stand there. And of course, if it's really a bear, then climb a tree. The one about this big around. Memorize that, <laughs> because that is exactly the size of the bear's thigh. And that thigh won't be able to wrap around that tree. It'll go up partly and slide down. <laughs> but if you're, and if you're up at the top, that's a long wait for the bear, because you can eat leaves. <laughs> yes. Can Dharma the gate show up as something positive? Of course. This place is a Dharma gate. It's a monastery. This this person is a Dharma gate. All of these people in here are Dharma gates. Uh, and they could show up as something can be very positive for a while, then it can be very negative. And just the idea here is to just observe what happens rather than add on your opinion, your idea. You can live your whole life without having another opinion about anything. This is what an opinion does. All investigation or all observation ceases as soon as you have an opinion about, even if the opinion is reified or, or supported by all of your friends and, and uh, family. It's, you can still see very, you can see even more clearly without the opinion. You can actually watch opinions kind of come and go. You can watch where you're starting to lock down on something. But if you just look at it, you, you can actually see that you don't have to, that it's it's totally a, a negative thing without your help. It doesn't need to be 
But if it did happen to start to change, if you have an opinion about it, you because you've got so many things, the phenomena is coming and coming and coming from everywhere. If something does start to change there, you won't you won't be there to to notice. Oh, that's uh, that's lightening up a little bit. If the commentary comes out of nowhere, like it, you can't like the the elaboration, like you just notice it's changing. That won't happen if you have a strong opinion about it. It will be it will hide out there. Is there anything that's not a Dharma gate? Come on. What are you asking me? What's the contrast to a Dharma gate? Chazan, help him. Mm -hmm. oh, sorry, you lose. <laughs> How did that feel when I did that? It's uncertain. Didn't you recently ask me to become a monk? Might have a few Dharma gates to go through. I'm a Dharma gate, if you're a student of mine. The closer you get, uh, and I'm not recommending anybody do anything. Don't do anything uh, unless you have to. Uh, certainly don't come this direction. Yeah, it could be. Anything could be a Dharma gate, sure. But you said, isn't everything a Dharma gate? Uh, oh, you're talking about ice, ice cream. Yeah, okay, yeah, I see, I see where you're going with it. Yep, I agree. You feel like I'm mocking you? What am I doing? Kotev, what do you think? Everything is a Dharma gate. He should ask him. <laughs> Any further disturbance? <laughs> yes. Uh, from Gyokudo up in Minnesota. Yes. She asks, does thusness have a sense of inevitability? It could have, yes. At some, at some, in some area as you're practicing uh, the way that shows up, it could show up that way. It starts to show up when you realize that, when you begin to understand what choicelessness is. As long as you think there's a choice, and this doesn't mean that you can't have a favorite color or choose to live in uh, Oregon rather than here, which might not be a bad idea. It doesn't mean that you don't have that, but all choice is dependently arisen, and the, the various uh, dependent supports or, or uh, constructs around that are just, completely untraceable. It's a, it's a, like a, just a, you know, 10,000 crime scenes all in the same backyard. You can't trace it. It's just too overlapping and complicated. It's not that it isn't, it isn't definite in some way, but we don't have the equipment to see that. And we're trying to get computers to do that for us, which is, might not be a good idea. That might backfire, but only for about three or four million years until we come back to actually living as, uh, biological organisms. Brad. <laughs> if we uh, look at one crime scene and go into it intimately, does it does it tell us about all the other crime scenes? If you're, if you're looking at it that way, yes. Uh, you, if you see one thing, you've seen everything. But you have to really see that one thing, and you have to see it in such a way that it doesn't look like something else. The very something else-ness of something, uh, you, like, like uh, writing a poem, uh, you know, it feels like you're doing something else, and then if you if the if the poem really is if you really give birth to something there, suddenly or gradually you see that it's something separate from you. It's separated from you, like a child. So you you did it. You you're there. What, what is the it that becomes separated? What is the it? Just just its uh, independence has it takes on a life of its own. Like a like a famous uh, piece of music or something, and listen to the music it has its own life. We don't care who the composer was, in a sense. 
like if uh, it might be hard to get rid of the composer if you're into music, you know, you might just know who that is. Just like uh, looking at a, a, a painting by Picasso, Demoiselles d'Avignon, Ladies of Avignon. Has anybody seen that painting? I bet you have. Maybe she's not letting us know. Anymore. <laughs> In any case, yeah, yeah. So it's a. I'm just picking that out as the painting I like. But it's a. When you, it's, there's a separation, but also it's not separate from you. It's always your, just like your child. It's always, it's always your child, but yet it's separate. So it's a, it's an interesting, very mundane area where you can bring your awareness or conscious to that. And, it's quite an astonishing situation. Yes. Is that art presenting thusness? Well, I don't think you could use it uh, as as a way of doing that. Uh, might be better to say it this way: that there isn't anything. There isn't. Isn't this? That's what thusness is. Suchness is not separate. So I think that's the thing that's so astonishing: is that we see all these different things. But as a, the way the as taught in Buddhism is the, the ten thousand things. Uh, that makes it so difficult for us to see deeply that we're not we're not really separated in the way we thought we were. Someone who sees this um, realizes that suffering, conventional kind of suffering, just tends to soften up a lot. It doesn't mean that it will vanish, but it doesn't happen to a sufferer. There's no one who's trying to get rid of the suffering. And part of the the, the path of the Bodhisattva, the Mahayana path about receiving a vow to be with all things, save all beings, do good, don't do harm, save all beings, refuge in the Buddha, the Dharma, and the Sangha, and then the 10 uh, prohibitory precepts are just ways of kind of, because of your inspiration to live uh, a spiritual life, to live an uplifted, kind, caring, generous, all of those simple kinds, just to totally try to do that, not out of a particular philosophy, but out of your awareness, so that you're, no matter what, where you are, you're always... You know, as um, my teacher, uh, Kovinshina Roshi, said, get your own authority. Well, if you try to do that, what you find out is there isn't any authority. And therefore, uh, you are liberated. You're not liberated into being a dictator, particularly. You're not li liberated into being some kind of special enlightened self-centeredness or uh, enlightened ego. You're, you're liberated into an open dimension that, that, doesn't, that only has limits that you put on it with your mind. Robert? Is suchness the pregnancy of as it is? So the potentiality of that, there's there's something to be said for that. As long as you're practicing and you're trying to understand that, then there's some kind of potentiality that you can feel. Everything is just flat, ordinary. You, you feel something. It's like there's something that maybe you're maybe missing uh, that it, because it hasn't come to fruition. It hasn't been born yet. So, But then you... The realization of that it is it is not that it becomes more, and it's like you're not going to attain enlightenment. Your your the nature of enlightenment is unborn, unceasing. So there isn't anything to to be born, not you know, for you to be suddenly a different person. You actually you actually it might even be seen to be going backwards into who you were originally, without any conflict, without any opinions, without any conflict, without any agreement, any disagreement, or any shutting down. Three poisons. Agree, disagree, ignore. That's just not happening because it, there needs to be a separate being for that to happen. Okay, thank you very much. Thanks for putting up with me. And uh, again, remind everybody about this Saturday, July 28th, is our all day. Please come and join us if you can. 
And we do have donation boxes in the hallway that we would appreciate being stuffed full of money. Mm -hmm. Checks are received as is PayPal debit and credit cards. Thank you. May the merit list and train into all places so that we and every sentient being together can realize the Buddha's way.